0: This is a chat with Coach Marguerite of the UCLA women's soccer team, national champions here in 2022. This was beyond the chat. We call this added time, stoppage time. Just the two of us chatting. You're going to love this. Marguerite's info and just her take and her thought process is so awesome to hear. Check it out. Enjoy. Peace. Thank you so much for hopping on.
1: Yeah, no problem. Thank you for having me. That was cool.
0: Yeah, it's. uh, I'm just. It was. Everybody's. I've been having all kinds of DMs ever since I said, "Hey, guess who's getting coming on?" And people are so freaking excited to hear just the whole kind of experience. Um, Because, like I said, we can see you from the side, like when you watch TV and all that kind of stuff. Um, But it's cool to hear kind of the the thought process and like it's not easy to just put 11 girls out there and say okay let's just go play like there's a lot more to it
1: yeah yeah there's a lot of thought I think like my group was so great like we had the players that's the other thing that people like forget I'm like I was so fortunate especially my first year coaching to have so many options Mm -hmm. and that's what like my two assistants they came from programs that didn't always have that like that they enjoyed the most. Whereas like, okay, we can play seven different ways just based on the players that we put out there because we just have that depth and we have the flexibility. So that was really cool. But um, yeah, it is interesting too, because like, I've never thought that the way I approached the game was that unique or noteworthy. Um, you know, I, I guess it got showcased like in the final four, but that's kind of how we've been coaching the whole year. Um but it, it it was funny, like people's reaction to the way we had coached was funny to me.
0: Well, I think it was interesting because, like, I watched a handful of your games during the year, and on your home field, your camera's behind you.
1: Oh yeah, we you can't see. That. We
0: can't see your. So at the College Cup, they of course they continued. They kept kind of zooming on you and the other coach and all that and stuff, and you would just be kind of sitting on your stool, just enjoying mm-hmm. the game, and they would be like. Yeah she seems so calm. And there was a couple of times you popped up during a game and you would kind of talk to a girl or something and they're like, well, she's up now. Um, yeah. But so that was kind of cool like... to, yeah, it was cool to hear. You're like, I'm, I'm processing. And I love the idea yeah. of, cause I'm thinking about me as a coach too, is me yet. I know it's different at high school there's only like, you know, 300 mm-hmm. people, not 3000. Um, mm-hmm. like, are they really hearing me? And am I making an impact? Yeah. Like you said, like in that moment, but not anything bigger
1: yeah one thing i try to avoid as a coach is just commentating on the game which i think a lot of coaches do like they stand up and they yell great pass i'm like okay well no kidding or like even if it's a small instruction a lot of times it's just like making a commentary on the action i'm like okay that's not really like giving actual information so we try to be a little more scrutinizing in like what we actually say. And also it's personality. Like I have an assistant who's a lot more like boisterous. So he'll yell a lot more of the instruction from the sideline. But even that, like so much of what we do yell from the sideline is like positioning based or um, we rarely like, unless they just do something fantastic. Like then of course we stand up and just like applaud them and like, let them know like that was awesome but um a lot of times it's like adjusting this to positioning and that's where it's like okay in ten thousand people you're yelling at someone like you need to show why like they can't hear you so a lot of the coaching that we were doing we would do through personnel change like we would talk to a player on the sideline this player's going to go in oh and by the way when you go in, tell this player that mm-hmm. about their positioning um but yeah it was kind of funny. Also, we didn't touch on it too much, but I'm like, I just have such an appreciation for soccer because against UNC, like we went down two goals in the second half. Like I didn't really have an opportunity to bring the team in and talk to them. Like they were just playing and that's where like the preparation becomes so important. And going into playoffs, we did so much work in training, like what we would consider situational play. Like How do the tactics change when you're down 1-0, when you're down 2-0? Like, what are we looking for? What are we trying to do? And the players, and I loved this part, they were like, when um, they got scored on the second time, there's like 15 minutes left. And they're like, all right, like next 10 minutes down one goal. Like, we've done this before, we know what to do. And then we scored. And then it was literally almost 10 minutes to the second. Like we're down two, one, down one goal, 10 minutes. We just need to score. And they were able to like really focus in and do that. But they were saying, and we could even hear the players on the sideline yelling, you guys, we've trained on this. We've trained this. Like we're good. We've trained this. Like we're okay. Which was so cool to see like live, because obviously that's like the, the hope when you're doing these things that they like remember and they feel confident, but it was so cool for them to like draw on that and be like, no, we've done this, you guys. Like we know exactly what to do. We've done this. And I was like, yeah, cool. Also, like we never lost one game this year that we scored in. So I think our team just like psychologically, as soon as they scored the first goal, our team was like, we're winning. Like we haven't lost a game we scored in this year. So we're good. Like we scored the first one. Now it's they kept saying, it's written. It's good. We scored, we're good, we're winning. And it just kind of was like a funny theme through the year. Like they really felt like if we scored a goal, we couldn't lose. And I was like, yeah, you're going to have to score another one quickly, but <laughs> uh, it was great. But I think like one of the things they've reflected on is just how important the preparation is. And all year we would kind of tell them, but also show them like everything we do in training is for a reason. Sometimes that reason is just to have fun and that's fine. But like, we're preparing you guys to think in a different way. And that's been like the biggest change I think in our program from a soccer standpoint, is like teaching them to think of the game almost from a coach's lens where it's like all right we know alabama's going to play 442 diamond okay this is how we're going to prepare like this is where we're weak this is where they're weak this is like how the matchups in our two systems work out so now they're like thinking of it so differently like they're thinking of it like coaches and that's like i think can be the biggest benefit to these players So that then when they play at the next level, like maybe they're playing in champions, like who knows? But when a coach asks them to do something, they're like, Oh, okay. Like I understand the tactics behind this. And it's not just so like one track mind, like, yeah, I want the ball. Like I'm a possession player. I'm like, not today. You are like you. That's not what we're doing. And you need to be flexible. And now the conversations they have about the game are so different. Cause we go into UNC. They're asking us as soon as we beat Alabama, they're asking us, are we going to play three five two like we did in the fall, or are we going to stay with our four three three? And they're wondering, oh, okay, but you know. And I kind of ask, well, what do you guys think? And they're like, well, five three two worked really well, but I think we're a different team, and now we're so much more comfortable in possession. Like, I think we should go at them four three three. Like, they're talking about it in a completely different way, and I I hope like thinking about the game in a completely different way, which has been like, that's the part where when we talk like, okay, now what's the goal in the next two three years. It's like, all right, can we have thirty players thinking that way, and then see what we can do?
0: This (laughs)
1: this
0: happens. This happens every time I do the podcast. Is afterwards,
1: Someone,
0: someone drops you. Every coach that I talk to drops some freaking nugget that I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so good. Um, The other thing I was, you talked about how your like assistant had a different way of like a little more vocal and stuff. Um, What was it like? I didn't want to get into this either, but like delegating to let other coaches run sessions or be a, be that vocal person to kind of fill maybe what you're, like you said, I'm kind of more, I, I'm a thinker kind of inside. And then I give my information versus I maybe he or she fills in my, I don't know if that makes any sense. How, how was it to not like, you want to control everything. Cause it's, you know, you're the head coach or the first, <laughs> this is your first go. I want it to be run my way, but at the same time, you talked about a village you understand that it's important to have those support people how like big was it to let others get in the mix
1: yeah I don't know if I ever felt that like need for control this is why I think I felt so much pressure in hiring my staff because I knew like I have to be able to trust them and if I'm over there trying to do everything exactly how I would do it exactly my way like we may have success, but that success is going to take years because there's too many things to try to do and too many adjustments to try to make and everything. So I tried to be very thoughtful in who I hired so that then from day one, I felt comfortable saying to my, like, it's three assistants, golf, Molly, and Chelsea, where I could say, all right, golf, I need you to run this session. Molly, I need you to do this. Chelsea, I need you to do this. And like, I had to just trust them. I couldn't ask off to do a session and then sit behind a shoulder and just try to correct everything. Like it just wasn't going to work. It's also just not really how I operate. Also like, I mean, I've coached a lot in the last seven to eight years, whatever. Like, yes, I think the team needs like a leading voice, but I don't feel the need to be the voice all the time. I just, that's just not me. I'm like, yeah. I always ask my assistants, is there anything you want to add when we're designing sessions? I said, do you guys want to do this? I also feel a great responsibility to their development as coaches, because that's how I got better. Like Paul was always so great to me asking whatever I really wanted to do. And for my assistants, especially if they aspire to be head coaches, I'm like, like, go ahead, you know? Um, also, we had a larger roster. So we did a lot of functional training where we'd split groups. So then by nature, there's more of us coaching at once, mm-hmm. um, which I think was beneficial. But yeah, I think as a leader, sometimes it's hard to give up some of that control. But at the same time, I think having the trust to do that is hugely integral to your success. Because you just, I just feel like it's almost impossible to have your hand in everything. You seem to Otherwise- have, like... <laughs>
0: You seem to have Mm -hmm. uh, like an amazing self-awareness. Like you can see the big picture, but you're able to like, I don't know, everything you've kind of shared um, from the experiences of like your playing days to getting to stand and being like, I think you used the word grateful earlier about like, just like not everyone gets to play in a final four, like all that type of stuff. We're grateful for you all to be a part of this team. And then just your recognition, I think it's really, really refreshing that you kind of have this, I don't know because it's a different dynamic of kid nowadays, with mm-hmm. all the social media, and then like you talk about the dancing. So now we got TikToks and all these other things that they're doing.
1: Yeah, do. But yeah.
0: that that ability to like, that's who they are. So you embraced it. You weren't like, oh no, no, we're got to get focused for the game. Stop acting like. I think it's cool that yeah. you, you seem to have a good. I don't know what what I'm looking for, but I, you know what I'm saying.
1: Mm-hmm. I think like I don't know whoever told me this, or honestly, if I if it was a thought I came up with, but it's like as coaches I think our job is to get the most out of each player like that looks different for every player now it's not like I can be a different coach 30 different ways like not necessarily but it's like I'm not someone where I'm like okay my way is the only way my way is the best way like the best way is getting the most out of you so sometimes I have to adjust and that's okay like That's the most effective way to lead in some ways. Now there are other, other values you have to be more, you know, steadfast and less flexible with, but at the same time, like one big revelation we had with our group or revelation, I said, revelation revelation we had with our group was like, even at Santa Clara, at Stanford, um, the way we had success was more regimented. And that's just, I think, Jerry's personality, the personality of a Stanford player, typically um, just a little more methodical, a little more competitive, a little more rigid, like a little more kind of between the lines. When I first took over, that's kind of what I thought we would do, because that's what I knew. I knew that it was proven. And yes, we had elements of that in our program, but we also had elements that I was like, wow, like. I never thought I would be a coach that kind of allowed that and not allowed in a bad way, but we would kind of have to shift our training where it's like, all right, they know as soon as whistle blows, like, like it's business. But as soon as they get water, they're dancing, they're laughing, they're doing cartwheels. And I was like, wow, I didn't think I ever coach a team that they're doing cartwheels today. (laughs) Like, But I had to sacrifice what I thought was going to be the best way to of like embrace what was the best way which was allowing them to do that and have fun and just enjoy it and so I found myself many times this season at a bit of a crossroads like mm, I kind of to be this way but there this is also bringing something beneficial and kind of how do we meld the two but yeah my vision for the program was a little different than what actually happened but the values kind of were still consistent, but the methods turned out to be a little different.
0: Another, that was, that was so thinking good. Because I, is... I did the same thing when I came in. So I got my, I just finished my third year at the high school level. And when I went in, I, in my head, I was like, oh, I know most of the players because mm-hmm. my kids went to high school there. So here's the tactics we're going to do and the blah, blah, blah. And then when I got there, we didn't talk about tactics forever because I was like, you guys don't even know me and yep. so and like you said it was, I think it's funny how we go in with our vision and then the ability like you said to recognize that we're gonna have to deviate just a little bit to find like that happy medium yeah. is is really really cool um to hear that's oh my gosh I'm about to I have to make another episode of the yeah. of the chat <laughs>
1: the after hours yeah
0: yeah the added <laughs> time or extra time or yeah. yeah or
1: yeah that's what it is stoppage time
0: yeah, the stoppage time uh type of thing. What was uh what was it like just randomly asking to go from playing regular season games that if you were tied you were done to like how is that was that an adjustment to have like an additional 20 minutes plus possibly PKs?
1: Yeah, but I loved it. <clears throat> like I enjoyed coaching in overtime that was not golden goal. I think it allowed us to be a lot less risk averse. Because before and overtime, like you get scored on games over. Mm-hmm. And I get part of me is like, okay, I understand the like theatrics of that and how excited it is from like a fan standpoint and for the um, overall like growth of the game because it's just like that drama is addicting. I get that. But from a tactical standpoint, I think it allowed us so much more. Um, like we didn't have to sit back, like we didn't have. To, it, you knew that if you got scored on in the first overtime, like first overtime, you could be fairly risky. Cause it's like, if you get scored on, you have 10 more minutes to try to get it back. And so I really enjoyed that. Like almost every overtime this year, I mean, we went into overtime three times in just the postseason. So half the games, Um, every time we're like, no, let's go for it. Like the first 10 minutes we're trying to score and then we'll adjust like, Whereas in the past, I don't think that was always the case because it was like, yeah, you might try to score, but if you get countered once game's over. And so I really enjoyed like having the full 20 minutes to actually play within it. Yeah. It, in a weird way, like it relieved a lot of stress, even though you were playing for longer, I think it relieved pressure.
0: How was important was the game where you and I can't remember the team you played the PKs that you won? It was oh, a one-one yeah. after, and you won in PKs. I mean, that's. I feel like when it goes to PKs, like it can go any direction. How big? Yeah. Like, was that one of those where you the team was like, okay, we might have might be destined to be champions?
1: So I don't know. Maybe hindsight's twenty twenty. <laughs> I was not that good in PKs just because. Like the way the game went, it wasn't, it was a fairly even game, but like UCF's a very good team. It's not like, you know, we didn't come and play or that we underperformed. Like, UCF's a very good team. We had some critical chances we didn't put away. So be it. That's soccer. Um, but going into PKs, I think because the team didn't feel that desperation either. Like, the team was just like, all right, let's get it done. Like, here we go. And I did say like prior to them or prior to going into the PKS, I was like, you guys, like you work on this. I was like, also, no, I was like, I was like, Lauren's going to save at least one because she, that's who we have back there. Like she's going to save at least one. We know that. And then I kind of jokingly said to the team and I was like, and then she's so good that they know in order to score, they have to be perfect. Sure enough, the way it worked out, Lauren saved the first one and then UCF hit the next two off the post. So I kind of was like, oh wow, like it kind of happened what I just said off the cuff, but whatever. And then once you save the first one, it, it, like when you're one up after the first kick, it just the pressure is so much more manageable. So I don't know. I don't looking back. I don't. I I don't know if that was our most stressful game. I mean, yeah, it would have been awful to go out in the second round in PKs. That would have been terrible, but it's not like we didn't play well, like mm-hmm. sometimes I think when you don't play well and it feels like a letdown to go to PKs, that's when you kind of shoot yourself in the foot and maybe don't perform, but that's not really how the game was. It was just a good, it was a good soccer game. And, um, you know, our players, I think felt very confident and prepared going into the PKs. Also, UCF had gone into PKs twice before us. So we did have some advantages to knowing where they preferred to go.
0: Ah, uh, good old scouting. Yeah. So, <laughs> huh. yeah. Cause I just wondered. I w- remember watching it and the girl made a heck of a shot in the first half um, through a bunch of bodies. So your keeper couldn't see it to the last second. And then to come And that's another one when I look back and I think about your team, you talking about belief and all that. Like, all right, we're down 1 0. We'll keep going. Um, <laughs> and I think it's cool to hear like the g- girls and the coaches on the sidelines keep saying it. So, which I know starts from the top with you that there's this like, all right, we'll just keep playing. It's that's yeah. the game of soccer, randomly. Someone's yeah. going to hit a shot that you're not going to get to. Just come back. Yeah. And,
1: like, and, and the, we, um, often, and this is, um, came from our assistant, Goff. He will always say to the team, like, like, going down one zero is not a big deal because in order to win the game, you have to score one anyway. True. Like, yeah, wow. like you go down one zero well what was your intention to not score any goals today anyway no like you had to score one regardless to win so like go score the goal you had to score anyway no big deal
0: wow we also
1: tell them you can play a perfect game you can play a perfect game and still get scored on Mm -hmm. like we kind of had to divorce our players from this idea that like the only way to win is like completely dominate possession and not get scored on and everything has to be perfect it's like no soccer happens like that like a good team is going to try like can score and like you can't cause panic like it's soccer we all we say so often you guys it's soccer like you're going to get scored on it's soccer or you're going to get outpossessed it's soccer like that is the game <laughs> like it's not always zero zero one zero like there you go and I think once we were able to get them to like all right it's just the task at hand has just shifted a little then they were able to just like be a lot more calm and um there was one game we played that we lost we lost to USC 2-0 and that was like the first game where we felt like the team panicked unfortunately that was the last game before postseason, so I was like oh boy <laughs> but what it did is it allowed us to talk a lot about like how to manage that how to manage panic how to kind of separate yourself from that feeling of panic when you are down 10 or when you are down 20 with 10 minutes left like mm-hmm. how to really do that and i think like you know thankfully and fatefully it prepared us for a good postseason run
0: so uh so good such good stuff um yeah, I just sounds like, too, that the people that you've been around coaching wise, you talked about the first couple of years of like Stanford, I was just taking it all in like a sponge. And I think you've done a great job of kind of, I don't know, you're kind of like, you're wise, you got some wisdom in there. That's really cool to kind of refreshing. Even um, I remember when I was watching the, the games, and they would go at like a halftime, you have to hop on and put the mic on and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. you're just kind of calm and like just like you are now just here's what we need to do yeah we gave up this we need to do better at this and we'll make some changes and and what have you it's 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 really cool to just kind of see that calmness and and what have you but so but i really appreciate you taking the time to uh it's i've been it people are like oh my gosh can't believe she's i'm like it's been so cool um because i Just randomly, you know, just saw the thing about, hey, she's a first year coach way back in like August. I think when like first Mm -hmm. kind of was like, oh, I might kind of keep an eye on this. And then I reached out and then you Mm -hmm. were kind enough, even. And I was always like, felt so awesome when you just reply, even though you're in the mix of like full time coaching, doing all this stuff to take the time to like reply to some dude in, you know, Ohio who's just like, hey, I'd love to talk about coaching with you at some point. You're like, sure. And I'm like, let's wait after the season, see how things go. And then you went to one and I was like, holy smokes, this could be something. And then I kept watching it and I was like, oh my gosh, they're really freaking good. Um, <laughs> the only thing that sucked for me was since I'm in Ohio, every time I watch you during the regular season, it's like at 10 o'clock on ESPN plus. So I'm like watching the first half. I'm like, All right, I got to go to bed. Uh, but uh, no, so I, it was awesome to watch. Um, and I think it's, I love when it's like, not just like good coaches, but good people that have, find success, and that clearly is you. Um, you. You're welcome. So, but I and I like I said, appreciate. I'm super excited to share this. I'm like I said, I'm gonna have to. Um, I've been starting to do this, going back into my chats, and then going after I stop, and then this is gonna be like a full episode right here. Yeah. If I do it as a <laughs> teaser or something, but uh, yeah. And I wish you the best of luck moving forward and. Uh, happy anniversary, around one year and all that. Yeah.
1: And, uh, uh, the 18th, we we celebrated. We had a little, a little trip. So that was good. And well, that was with me and my husband. And then my official hire date, I think, is like tomorrow or today. Today, my, I don't know, my so first, so my
0: first, hired so date. I'm so close to feeling. Christmas. Now, were they?
1: Know, that, that is one thing. Getting hired between Christmas and New Year's is not easy. No like everything yeah. is shut down. It was a mess, but
0: yeah. Cause yeah. nobody's at the college or anything. You're probably just, the no, t- it was like, and-
1: it was ghost town trying to do everything. So I think I got hired or they offered me the job, I think on the 22nd, then obviously like background check, everything had to pass, but that's when every office was closed. Oh. So it took, <laughs> I ended up having to do like a second background check through a different company that was, that I had done one already so it was like a much quicker process they had to just like match people Uh, as opposed to run the whole yeah check and um that was after christmas and so yeah and then my first day was january 3rd or something so it was like that's wild my first call i think was december 12th and i was on campus january 3rd
0: that's so awesome so awesome so It it was as well so
1: but thank you so much I really appreciate it oh no worries available like I enjoy these conversations they're fun to it also helps me kind of like um focus my thoughts you know like sometimes when you have to actually articulate it then it's like oh okay this is actually how we went about things which is is kind of a fun reflection of sorts so I appreciate it
0: oh no worries that's kind of the idea behind it because you see like, I'm surprised there hasn't been a book that's come out or a PDF that's like, hey, how to play like UCLA and championship drills or something corny <laughs> that everybody wants to talk tactics and like all mm-hmm. the ins and outs. And I think we sometimes forget that like, the coaches are humans that have gone through a pro like a journey to get to where you're at. And then the impact like your story of coaching six year olds, and now they're college players is unreal. Like most people don't that longevity, that's amazing. Cause I just, I was thinking, man, cause I have a daughter who's 16 now. Oh my gosh. The different phases they go through growing mm-hmm. through that. And you got to experience that. And you made an impact on like when they were those 13 year olds and then they went to be 15 and they started driving to practice. It wasn't mom mm-hmm. and dad dropping them off to now. that That's just. What yes, a- that
1: part oh. so fun because like you really just watch them grow up like completely and like that's how my coach was in club like I had the same coach for 10 years and now he's like one of my closest friends and mentors and everything um and then so it's fun to have that connection with a player that like you've coached them that long and you've really seen them grow through the game and just grow up the fun part too is like from a coach it keeps things so exciting because obviously the way you coach a 6 year old is not the way you coach a 10 year old versus the way you coach a 16 year old and the game is so different and so like it's so fun like at my last year at Stanford I had just started another group over in club so I was coaching college and then I would drive to practice and coach U7 and it's like just the switch in your brain like from going to where I'm coaching tactics and I'm coaching this and I'm coaching that and playing between the lines and everything to like left like the left cone is yellow the right cone is blue (laughs) like (laughs) that is so it just challenges you in different ways as a coach and then it also just is like so enjoyable I think that part was always really fun like I always enjoyed coaching the younger age groups because it's like like we had a six-year-old come to practice with the biggest smile on her face because she got a tic-tac in the car I was like wow like that's a great perspective to have (laughs) like really just enjoying life so yeah I I love like the model we had in our club of coaching teams for that long and like just seeing the players you know as like a seven eight year old to realizing their dreams of playing in college and then now kind of for that like post club phase where they're in college and they're playing and everything like that part's really special too and now for me to coach against them is really funny but what's funny is there's like a mutual pride like, I'm so proud of them, and they are equally as proud of me, which is funny, like, because they're like, yeah, I remember when you, when I was seven years old, and you were in college, like, and now look at you, and that part's, like, been really kind of, like, an unforeseen reward, like, that part's been really cool.
0: So awesome, so awesome. Uh, Like I said, thanks. Um, Enjoy your time with your family, and hopefully you get to relax a little bit, put the the stress away um yeah. and then uh and then rock and roll have a good christmas and new year and all that stuff and uh i'll keep following and i'll be posting this i don't know when i'll be posting this tease like teasing people for a little while but um i got a couple of people before that I haven't published theirs mm-hmm. yet um so probably the first first week or so of january um no problem. Anyway, are you do you happen to be heading to the convention this year do you do that
1: I'll be there for the long haul. I have a, a session I have to run and a speech or two I have to give. So I'll be there pretty much the whole time.
0: All right. Well, I'm I'm going for the first time.
1: So oh nice.
0: We'll have to we'll have to meet up for a pick and yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, for sure. For sure. Just let me know. Um right. I'll be around. I think I have to do two po- two other podcasts on there. So
0: Oh wow. Well, I yeah. appreciate yeah. you hopping on with me.
1: Yeah. No, thank you. Happy holidays. I'm, I'll see you at the convention.
0: All right, sounds good. See ya. All right, bye. What a great chat. Thanks for checking it out. If you haven't done so already, follow us on Twitter at Chat. Hit that subscribe button. And once again, if you get a chance, drop a review. It's super, super helpful for growing the
1: podcast. Have a good one. Peace.